0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 19th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The big affirmative action case at the Supreme Court this term got many people's hopes up, but it turned out to be a fizzle. Gail Harriet, a professor of law at the University of San Diego and member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, argues that case might be back. She took stock of the state of affirmative action at the Cato Institute's Constitution Day held Tuesday.
1: The big case uh, was 10 years ago. Uh, and that is Grutter versus Bollinger. Um, and Grutter versus Bollinger uh, ended up—it was a 5-4 decision, very narrow. Um, it ended up basically giving a green light to colleges and universities uh, to do what they wanted to do um, with regard to racial preferences. Um, and in that case, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor um, said that the court should defer— to the educational judgment of colleges and universities.
0: Now, and that obviously has huge implications. As as you mentioned before we started recording here, if this had been done not that many decades earlier, we would have seen very different policies being adopted.
1: The notion of deferring to the judgment of a discriminating state agency is really quite foreign um, to the, the, the standard constitutional doctrine of strict scrutiny. The usual rule is that courts are supposed to strictly scrutinize um, any law that discriminates on the basis of race. They've got to make sure that, that there's a compelling purpose um, that makes that discrimination necessary and that the policy that the state is engaged in uh, is narrowly tailored to fit that compelling purpose. So when Justice O'Connor announced in Grutter versus Bollinger uh, that the court was going to defer to the judgment um, of the University of Michigan, that was really quite startling— um, deference is the opposite of strict scrutiny. So when the Fisher versus University of Texas case came up this year, um, a lot of people were wondering what's going to happen to this notion of deference um, to the university. Uh, people were concerned, as, as well they should be, that if you're deferring to the university, you're not strictly scrutinizing their actions.
0: So uh, as we know now this case turned into a fizzle. You uh, said you expect it might come back to the court. Uh, on what basis uh, did it end up being a fizzle, and uh, why might we see it back at the Chi Court again? Well,
1: I think that, that people got their hopes up. Uh, originally when the case was, was, was filed, uh, most people looking at it thought, well, this is not going to, to overrule uh, the Grutter case that this is just going to make a a, a little side point. But as time went on, the Supreme Court accepted it, uh, and the case was pending as long as it was, uh, people on both sides of the issue started thinking, well, maybe the court really will overrule Grutter. And they didn't. Um, They didn't. But they did clarify the standard in a way that makes it somewhat more difficult for colleges and universities to continue to discriminate. Um, And in that respect, it's a win Uh, for Abigail Fisher and for those people who who support the notion um, of race neutrality in admissions. Uh, It may not be a big win because we don't really know what the Court of Appeals is going to do with it right now, Uh, but... Basically, the court clarified the standard, ratcheted up the pressure just a little bit uh, on colleges and universities by saying that part of the traditional strict scrutiny test, the part that has to do with narrow tailoring, uh, they are not going to defer to the judgment uh, of the university uh, in that part of the test. So now the court has remanded it to go back down to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Um, and we have to see how the Fifth Circuit applies this this new, clarified standard.
0: What does the university have to do now to prove that their, their policy is narrowly tailored?
1: Well, that's the problem. Nobody quite knows. Um, the opinion issued by the Supreme Court is very cryptic. It's only 13 pages long. That is extraordinarily short um, for a Supreme Court opinion. And although they make it very clear um, that They are going to apply strict scrutiny to the narrow tailoring issue. They don't tell us exactly what that's going to mean. They leave that to the Fifth Circuit. Now, my own view is that included in this narrow tailoring analysis is going to have to be some evidence that the University of Texas um, has looked at the evidence um, of mismatch. Um, And what I mean by that is there's a lot of empirical evidence um, these days Um, that racial preferences and admissions are actually hurting minority students and that we have fewer African-American doctors, fewer African-American scientists, engineers, dentists um, than we would have had if colleges and universities had consistently over the last few decades uh, been using race-neutral admissions. Uh, What happens is... You know, if you take a student, any student, not, not, not just a minority student, but a legacy student, a student-athlete, if you take a student and you send them to a college or university where they're entering academic credentials, put them well towards the bottom of the class, they don't do as well as they would otherwise do. Uh, particularly in the area of science and engineering, it is very unwise, if you have an ambition to become um, a science or engineering major, it's very unwise to, to attend a school where you'll be towards the bottom of the class. What happens is that students like that end up switching majors. Sometimes they drop out, sometimes they even flunk out. Um, but a student is much less likely to graduate with a science and engineering major if he goes to a school where he's going to be towards the bottom of the class. Basically what we have now, for all the professions that require a science and engineering degree, we have fewer minority students um, who are getting those degrees, and hence we have fewer of, of, of fewer doctors, fewer engineers, um, fewer fewer scientists. Um, it's also probably true in the area of law school. You're better off going to a law school where your entering credentials put you in the great middle of the class and not towards the very bottom. So while the University of Texas protests that it needs to give preferences in order to have diversity, and they argued in particular that they needed to have preferences so that they would have diversity, not just in some departments, but in every department, and they cited math and science and engineering as as an example where they especially needed more African-American students, more Hispanic students as well. But in fact, what they were doing was backfiring. What they were doing was 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 um, engaging in preferences that made it less likely uh, that a minority student with a a desire to major in science or engineering that they would actually follow through with that ambition.
0: How is that likely to uh, play out in, in the next couple of years? You said this case may come back. There there may be another case dealing with this issue. As this, as this information, the data, uh, comes out, how does that play out you know, in courts?
1: We don't know exactly what the Fifth Circuit is going to do with this, but we do know um, that once they've ruled, um, it, it's entirely possible that there will be a new petition for cert um, and that the Supreme Court will take the case again. Um, and who knows? Maybe the second time around, they really will Um, overrule Grutter versus Bollinger. Um, It could be. Uh, We'll have to wait and see.
0: Gail Harriet is a professor of law at the University of San Diego and a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. You can watch the Constitution Day events at the Cato Institute at our website, cato.org.